The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing, where each week I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom from the female perspective. Everything from Star Wars, to The Office, to cosplay, to fanfic. It's all right here, so sit back and enjoy this week's episode. Hey guys, just a quick little trigger warning for this episode, um, and I have a timestamp here for this. Um, for Outlander, we do start discussing uh, sexual violence and rape um, at about the one hour and eight minute mark until about one hour and 27 minute mark. You will hear a trigger warning before we start talking about it as well, but just wanted to give you a heads up on that so you don't have to skip the whole episode if you wanted to just skip around so you don't have to hear that part. Um, anyway, I hope you enjoy the show and thank you for listening. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of It's a Fandom Thing. This week we're going to be talking about the television show Outlander, which is a show that I've seen a total number of one episodes of before. So <laughs> uh, my panel is going to be doing the majority of the talking. I am just going to be sort of the moderator. Like I've been on our Sherlock episode, on our Sense8 episode, even though I did watch those, I, the, the show just made no sense to me. So <laughs> so this will be a lot of fun. I'm excited just to hear everybody else's um, takes on the show and um, what they love and don't love. I will issue right up front a spoiler warning that we will be spoiling all five seasons of the show. So if you have not watched all five seasons and you don't want to be spoiled, I would recommend skipping this episode for now and then coming back once you're all caught up. Okay, so before I have my panel introduce themselves, just a couple of quick housekeeping notes. Once again, we are taking listener support for as little as 99 cents a month to $9.99 a month. Just simply click on the link in the show notes, or you can go to our anchor page and click listener support there. And once again, everything we see from that 100% will be going to various Black Lives Matter organizations through at least October 1st. Um, what I am going to be doing is on that date, I will be announcing where I'm going to donate the money to on our Facebook page. I'll probably put it on our Twitter page as well, but just wanted to let you know that. Um, and then we are, we are, we are going to be doing the auction. I promise I'm getting together the list of items now. So I'm hoping, hoping to have to get that going uh, the last week of August. Um, so we're going to have some cool items there. So keep a lookout for that. Okay, so let's go around and have everybody introduce themselves and tell me one thing in pop culture that you're excited about right now. Start with you, Angela. Like Aaron said, my name is Angela. Um, the one thing that I'm most excited about pop culture right now, who. Well, let's see what new shows that I'm looking forward to. Oh, by the end of, was it by beginning of September? The Boys. That's what yes. I'm really excited about. Um, so 
Um, I, I think I'm going to gather some of my friends to go watch that together. Well, social distancing, FYI. So, <laughs> but yeah, that's <laughs> But yes, that's what I'm going to get more excited about. So, yeah. Yeah, that's a great, great show. We should probably do a special episode after the season two premiere. Just for fun to talk about that's that show. Fun. Yeah. I'm that, done for that, though. That's a great show. Um, and then Danelle. I'm Danelle. Um, I'm excited to be here. Thank you, Erin. Um, as far as pop culture right now, I have actually just caught on the Ozark train and have been currently watching uh, that show. And I'm in the uh, middle to the end of the third season. So I'm just about finished getting caught up with that show. And that's been a lot of fun. So Yeah, yeah I started that show like over a year ago I started trying to watch it and I should revisit it again because I was into it. I, I like really dark shows and it's really dark. Yes, <laughs> it is. <laughs> I should really go back to it at some point in time. Yeah, it's definitely a uh, on the edge of your seat what the heck's going to happen next and, and a lot of psychology in that show. Like what's motivating all these different characters? So it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Great. And then Meg. Hi, I'm Meg and I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> Three episodes in a row. <laughs> oh my gosh. See, now you're going to be like, can we just be done with her for another like six months and then she'll come back. <laughs> um, so right now, I don't know if it's like pop culture anymore, but I, so aside from rewatching Outlander for this episode, I've been rewatching The West Wing because I just need some like uplifting political drama. <laughs> Um, so, I mean, you know, it's super relevant. (laughs) Um, the other thing I'm super excited, although kind of cautiously excited about hearing about how Mulan is going to be a video on demand release. And I'm excited to see it. I'm sad it won't be like the big theatrical release that Mulan deserves, but I'm pretty pumped. I'm ready to get down to business and defeat the Huns. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> now I'm going to sing that song for the rest of the, the whole episode. I'm I sorry. Had, I had a lot of people who was like, you know, commenting like, you know, I would rather just like wait on DVD and just like buy it instead. But it's like, you know, if anyone who knows me, I'm Asian. So I was like, but like Asian reputation is like support, support Asian films. Oh, I am. <laughs> I'm all in on spending 30 bucks to rent this movie for oh, like yeah, 48 hours because it's still way cheaper than taking my kids to go see it. Exactly. Like, yeah. still, I'm still saving like $75. <laughs> and I don't have to put on pants. So, I mean, honestly, it's a win-win. It's a win-win. Absolutely. <laughs> and this is Aaron. Um, the thing I'm into is a 2017 documentary called The Problem with Apu. And it's on um, HBO Max, which I have recommended a lot of stuff there. And it's about comedian, and I apologize that I'm probably going to be butchering his name, Hari Konadublu. I'm sure I butchered that. I'm sorry. And he uh, confronts his cartoon nemesis, Apu, its store owner from The Simpsons, and the larger issue of how Western culture depicts Southeast Asian communities. And it's just a really, really good and entertaining documentary. Um, And he talks with a lot of... um, current Asian stars as well. Um, and then he, he, during the whole thing, he's trying to get Hank Azaria to actually 
appear and to talk with him about it because if you don't know Hank Azaria voices the character of Apu um, so he keeps trying to get him on there and Hank Azaria really comes off as a douchebag in this documentary um, because of how he just keeps dodging it you can tell he's just he's so afraid of how he'll come off in the thing and you know and and it's a lot you know um, he struggles a lot. The the main character that um, struggles a lot with the fact that he loves the Simpsons as a whole, but this character haunted him for his whole life. Um, so it's it's just really good, and I highly recommend it. It's only forty nine minutes, so it's not a long, long documentary. I kind of wanted it to even be longer because he's so entertaining. He's so funny. Um, so I highly recommend that one. That one again is on HBO Max. Well, and that's pretty timely, too, when you think yeah, about kind of is. all the things that we've been seeing talking about white actors voicing um, cartoon characters of color and kind of how that that strange kind of clash that you see um, with voice actors and and that conflict. So I'll have to, what's it called? I'm going to write it down. <laughs> it's called the, the Problem with a Poo, and it's on uh, HBO Max. Yeah. Yeah, it's really good. And. I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, everybody, but I believe Hank Azaria, since the since this time, has he actually has stopped doing the voice. He said I'm, he would stop doing the voice. I think Apu's actually gone. Oh, he is. See, I don't watch the show. Simpsons. I'm not I haven't. Sure. I haven't watched it in in many many years, but um, I think Apu has since left The Simpsons okay. because he was such a caricature. Okay. Okay. That's what happened. Yeah. Yeah, and I know they've been doing a lot of that lately. So, but yeah, I highly, highly recommend that one. It's really, really good. Okay, so let's get on to Outlander. Now, I know before we started, um, Angela mentioned she didn't read the books, but I know Danelle and Meg have read the books. So, first, before we get into the show, just briefly, I, I'll just ask Danelle and Meg. I'll start with you, Danelle. What are your thoughts on the books versus the show? Do you prefer the books or the show? That's a tough one. Um, you know, I really enjoy both. And I think because I started reading the books right around the same time that for the first season came out. Um, for me, the books are obviously more in depth. You can always go more in depth on, a, on the page. Um, there's a lot more color to the books and background and history. Um, I think Diana is such an amazing, brilliant writer in her research. Um, exhaustive research that she did into to the history um, of those time periods, I think is, is what really drives the books for me. Um, but I think the show does a really nice job of staying true to the spirit, especially in the first couple of seasons. Um, I think the, they stayed really, really true to the spirit of the books. And Meg. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm going to get a little emotional. I mean, I can feel it. So these books actually mean, a great deal to me. Um, I started reading them when my father-in-law was sick and dying of lung cancer, and they were really kind of my comfort when I was trying to go through that. So anyway, so when my father-in-law was sick, they were kind of an escape from all of that, and since then they've really been a really kind of deep part of who I am as a person, so it's really hard to be to kind of view them objectively. Um, having gone back and read them several, several times, um, it's clear that they were written in the nineties because there are a lot of tropes that were much more acceptable in the nineties, um, than are today, 
which has been interesting to kind of see how the show handles those topics differently than how the book does. Um, I thought it was really impressive that Diana Gabaldon had never been to Scotland when she wrote the first one. Um, That was just 100% her research. And I really, really love the show for itself. I feel really glad that I'm able to divorce the show from the books because I've seen a lot of book fans, especially book fans who have been fans for like 20, 30 years, really just nitpick and rag on the show to death, down to the eye color of characters not being quote unquote right. Um, So I'm really glad that I've been able to divorce that and enjoy each as their own medium and way to to tell stories. So yeah, I guess... I like I like them both. I don't know. I can dig it. <laughs> Great. Great. And thanks for sharing all that uh, the personal connection too. I think that that happens a lot with a lot of stuff that that we love. There is a personal connection yeah. that makes it even more special to us. So yeah. And then I'll start with you, Angela. With how did you uh, first discover the show? Have you been watching it since it first aired on Stars or? Yes, I actually start watching it when they first announced, you know, that this new show was coming. And I was like, I think it's the I was already in love with Scotland for such a long time. It was like one of the cultures, the crunchy that where I wanted to go in the future, you know, like in college. Like, that's all I dream about is Scotland, just the language, just the cost, like, you know, just the culture itself and so when i heard that my friend was telling me about outlander when it was gonna you know film it was in scotland then i was like i have to check it out and so you know this whole watching this whole first season like i remember the feeling of just excited just just so much feelings especially when you know just relating to you know the character claire um just because like the only reason why she was just so important to me because, you know, she's such a wonderful example of, you know, women who have, uh, you know, who have the courage to break out of gender-based roles, you know, and show the role that women could be strong. You know, I have, I felt so related to her. You know, she showed us that women can be all things, you know, just strong, kind, tough, gentle, smart, just, and just not that, like, the way how the show, like, show scotland's it just makes my heart just feel just i don't know i just love it so um you know i didn't you know read the book but um you know once i do like i i will eventually will read it though but yeah you so. should also absolutely go to scotland it's amazing uh i've been there twice and i'm wanting to go again it's absolutely fantastic and both of you, if you haven't listened to the books on audiobooks, I know obviously, Angela, you haven't because you haven't read the books yet, but it's a completely different different experiencing listening to them as well as reading them. Davina Porter is just amazing as a narrator, and a narrator really makes or breaks uh, an audiobook. So just a tip for anyone, anyone out there, if you, if yeah, you don't so feel I- like, if you see a thousand page <laughs> book and you're a little intimidated that there's eight of them. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I mean, compared to like Stephen King's book, I mean, that's yeah. like, but Meg, actually, as a matter of fact, though, I am planning to go to Scotland in two years from my 30th mm-hmm. birthday. Ari, everyone is invited. I'm you going. Know, May. <laughs> oh, you guys are going to, you're going to have so much fun. 
you'll have to message me. I'll give you some awesome places to go. Um, I did totally. I totally. Oh, let me tell my husband. I'm going to Scotland, <laughs> and I'm leaving you behind. <laughs> he won't allow it. My kids won't allow it. We took my kids with us to Scotland last year. Um, and they won't let me go without them. They've already been like, when are we going back? So now I'm looking for a way to just move there. Um, but anyway, so yeah, if, if a thousand page book times eight is intimidating, just look for the 35 hour audio book <laughs> times eight, you know, no one is commuting anymore. So I don't know when you'd listen to it, but they're really, really, really good. Like she does a great job. I don't and Diane, work that. <laughs> and Diane herself though. Do you guys have met her? Yes. At, uh, Denver Comic Con. She is such a sweet person. Oh, like yeah. I, I already knew. Like like for someone she's a great writer. Like just her personality. She got my expectations. So very smart. Person. And mm-hmm. she's so like dry. Mm-hmm. And witty. And yeah, she's she's a sweetheart. Mm-hmm. From the four seconds I met her. <laughs> <laughs> And Danelle, then, since you had read the books, did you just hop on the show right away? Yeah, I did. Um, I got introduced to the books first. And then, like I said, it was right around the time that the show was announced that it was happening. And so I got about halfway through, almost through the first book, when the first season aired. And I just fell in love with the world, you know, that she created and the characters and Claire is such a relatable character. Character, She's human, you know? She's not this super heroine. She's not perfect. She's not, like, a horrible person. She's flawed, and, and I love that about her, you know? But she's also this incredibly strong woman who you can look up to in a lot of ways um, that I think is somebody who you can kind of admire for her strength. But yet she doesn't – she never compromises her femininity either, and I love that. Because I think especially in media, um, in film, and in, in comics, and in, in all pop culture, if a woman's going to be strong, it seems like they have to compromise. She can't be feminine, right? She has to be like yeah. this, you know. And not that there's anything wrong with non-feminine women either, right? Like, or people <laughs> who identify as, as female um, who are not quote-unquote feminine. But um, I think just her portrayal, you know, as she's written and as... Katronia portrays her in the show, um, I think is, is wonderful. And I've always thought that that was perfect casting. I wasn't sure at first. And now that I've watched it, I, I think she's a perfect match for Claire. And the visual um, of the show complements the, I guess, the imagination of the book. Um, because mm-hmm. it's gorgeously shot. Um, I think the crew that they picked, you know, to to film the show is so incredible. The photography, cinematography is just breathtaking. Um, and I think it really complements what Diana imagined for the books. And I love how they've worked really closely. I've watched some of the behind the scenes stuff and um, I love how involved she was, at least at first. I don't know her involvement now, but um, yeah. she still she still writes a couple of scripts, I think. And she's still a consultant. But just imagine I'm going to throw this out there. I don't mean to interrupt you or anything because you're talking about how well Katrina Balfe is cast. They're all cast amazingly. Yes. Like, yeah. With maybe one exception that I'm still <laughs> wishy-washy on. Um, but so if you guys hadn't read the books or anything like that, I'm, I, you weren't really aware of it before the show started, right? Yeah. Okay. So I remember 
reading these books and falling in love with them and hearing and, and getting like excited and then horrified that they were going to try to adapt the book. Now, this was in 2008. And they were talking about doing a two hour movie of the first book with, I think they were talking about Katherine Heigl as Claire. And I think, oh God, I can't remember who it was going to, I think, I know at one point Liam Neeson was set to be Jamie because they've been trying to make this book into a movie since 1991. So if you go back, like I, if I go on Google and look at some of the casting like possibilities that they had for all of these, because the options kept getting passed around. And I'm so glad that it took as long as it did to get to stars and um, Ronald Moore. Yeah. Who did Battlestar Galactica and just is an amazing showrunner and storyteller. So anyways, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. <laughs> I'm really bad at that. Like I, 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 <laughs> I kind of heard that they had planned it, you know, like that it had been in the works for a long time, but I didn't know that casting. So that's awesome to know. Oh, um, it was it was so crazy. And and if you go on fan sites and you see like what these people's like wish casting, Chris Hemsworth was in there, and people were real mad that Sam Hewen was cast as Jamie because he didn't like look like this big beefcake. And Diana Galadon like would even go in these fan sites and go and be like, he was a farmer. He wasn't a bodybuilder. So, like, the lean yeah. muscles. And Sam Hewen actually, like, would train as to build his muscle mass to be that of a 18th century farmer. So, I'm like, thank you, Sam Hewen. I enjoy I looking at you. <laughs> I can't really imagine seeing someone else playing those two characters. Because they're, these two actor and actor are just, they're just so perfect together. It was a so massive just, uproar when yes. when it was cast from like hardcore book fans, which really turned me off to the fandom as a whole. Like I love the show, I love the books. I can't I can't do the fandom so much anymore because they'll sit there and they went on and on about how Claire doesn't have brown eyes in the show. So how could Katrina Balfe be her? And and Sam Hewen is only six five. How is Jamie supposed to be a giant? Like it's it's ridiculous. And I was like okay, I'm really glad I can divorce the two because if I were that tied to it, I don't know how I could enjoy literally anything that yeah. was an adaptation. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I, I enjoy them both for for separate reasons like you. You know, yeah. I enjoy the show for the visuals. Um, and Oh, and they're beautiful. Right, just how it's shot. And, and it is smart. It's smart filmmaking, and I call it filmmaking because it really is close to filmmaking. It's not just television to me. So it's one of those shows that is cinematic in its mm -hmm. in its production. Um, and the books I enjoy for the imagination. I love getting swept up when I'm reading it into that world too. So, yeah, I enjoy them both for for very different reasons, like you do. Yeah, yeah, and and just off of the the people complaining about the book adaptation, I think that happens more often than not that when oh, yeah. a book gets adapted it's very hard to please people and it is true that nine times out of ten whatever the adaptation is is going to be inferior to the books the only book and it's actually a short story really that i have read that where the movie improved on it was a river runs through it because river runs through it is actually, and actually, no, I will say broke back mountain too, but um, oh, I'm going to add Shawshank yeah. Redemption to that list because the movie Shawshank Redemption, I don't know if any of you read, like it was a short, yeah, story, I read the short story 
uh, the movie blew that out of the water, and that was almost entirely because of Morgan Freeman. <laughs> Honestly. Really? Um, but yeah. The, yeah, the adaptation of Outlander, I was really worried. Like, I wasn't one of those people who were like f- literally freaking, and they're still doing it. Like, they're still mad that Brianna's eyes are brown when Jamie and Claire's <laughs> eyes are both blue, and they're like, two blue eyed people can't have a brown eyed child. And like, whoa, guys, let's just, <laughs> let's just suspend <laughs> our disbelief. Let's just do it. That's about being you know, overly critical. She I mean... walked through stones and fell back <laughs> 200 years in time. And you're being concerned. Okay with the time travel. But not yeah. The... <laughs> All that's fine. But the, the genetic impossibility, apparently, of two blue-eyed people having a brown-eyed child, that's where you draw the line. And it's just, it's, it's ridiculous. It's insane. I can't even... I, maybe I'm in the wrong, like, fandom part groups. of the fandom <laughs> this was i i dropped out of the fandom a while ago so maybe i'll dip my toe back in i've been kind of casually browsing and it's still the same like 60 year old lady is really mad <laughs> not about it's, i feel like it's not about being in the wrong fandom. you're not in the wrong fandom it was just more that you're just more open and you know i guess your mind's more diverse you, you know you were able to like like you said, divorce to be just between these two because each can be like telling different stories. So I don't know. That's how I see it. Well, and and it's it's funny because so I used to write reviews for Outlander for the Game of Nerds um, from season two through season four. I wrote reviews, and they're like, I'm verbose. <laughs> I guess is a nice way to say it. <laughs> and and. You'll be comforted to know that it's not just in person. It is also <laughs> on the page. I write a lot. And actually, when Outlander first came out, like, so season one of Outlander, I had a podcast called Outlandish Conversations. And we talked about Outlander and 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 the books and show compared. Like, we did a whole big deep dive in-depth thing with it. Then that got to be too much. And I started writing about it, and then that got to be, I just, I no longer had time to write four articles a week. Um, so now I just come and dominate Aaron's podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and she doesn't deny it. Like, I know, I don't see you shaking your head. <laughs> Meg, you've already kind of explained a little about, um, you know, the the history of how it came about but were you just really excited then once the show came on or were you trepidatious even then or i when i heard that it was gonna be a series on like a premium channel like stars or hbo or something like that um and they i was cautiously excited and then when i heard that they were gonna have 16 episodes dedicated to the first book i was pumped because there's a meme that goes around that's like it's like when i say i want this book adapted into a movie what i mean is i want this book adapted into a 16 hour epic blah 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 and that's me that's how i am with books i like i i don't want a two-hour movie give me like give me the six-hour pride and prejudice versus the two-hour 2005 movie which is still good but i want 
I want all of it. I want all the meat. I want every little bit. Um, so I was really, really excited to hear that they were going to do 16 episodes for the first book. Um, they've cut down to 13 or 12 episodes in the upcoming, the past few seasons, which I feel I have mixed feelings about. But I was just really, really excited because, like I said, with Ronald Moore at the helm, Dana Gabaldon, like, putting her stamp on it, I I was ready to be all in. Because... Ronald Moore tells a great story. Battlestar Galactica was an amazing character story set in space. And Outlander is an amazing character story set in this fantasy world of time travel and the past. And so I was very excited. If any, if you didn't know, I was pretty excited. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's, uh, we're going to skip around a little bit. And I want to actually just talk about the characters first instead of, episodes and seasons um so let's talk about claire first and i'll start with you angela what are your thoughts on claire oh well um my thought on claire she's i keep i think i keep telling people that she is the role model that you know that you know young woman should look up to you know, I looked up to her, you know, this whole, you know, season, like, I always, like, cheer for her, like, when there's, like, bad shit coming down, and she's go right back up, I, it was just, like, a moment of just, you know, like, you know, like, over and over again, we, you know, like, I was, you know, we were able to, you know, read of Claire of adapting to change, and unexpected situation, you know, she always, you know, may express concern, or dismissal, or even grief, but, you know, she always, like I said, pick herself up, you know, dust herself off and find ways to like make it work. You know, she always make, you know, find a way to make the best life for herself with dignities and often with humors, which, you know, she's pretty good about that. Like I, I admire her ability to just laugh at the ir- ironies of life. So that's what I just love about Claire. Just, and, you know, just, I don't know if we can go to talk about the dark part yet, though, but maybe we can just wait for that later. Um, just, I don't know about, but I'll let you guys two talk about Claire first. Yeah, because I know there's like a lot of like deep stuff, like, you know, from the last season where I do relate to what happens to her. Ugh, Claire is just one of those interesting characters. I mean, I was thinking about it as Angela was talking, and to me, Claire, I think I find it ironic. I think she's ahead of her time. <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah, having this time travel going back in time. It's insane. And then it's like two hundred years. Time wherever she is, right? As as the show, as she jumps through time and all these different um, elements. I mean, she's always ahead of her time. I think she's um, she her ability to adapt, um, as Angela was saying, and just her ability to kind of see see a situation and remain objective you know, and not necessarily always be overcome with emotion. And she's human. I mean, she makes definitely a lot of mistakes. And there's times in the book when I've read the books or watched the show and I'm like, oh, like, <laughs> why are you doing this? Um, but at the same time, I, I think she's just very relatable. And I think a lot of a lot of women can relate to her, I think, in a lot of ways. And, and not just women. I think people in general could probably relate to her. You know, I don't think it's just a, a female thing. I think it's just she's a relatable human. Yeah. 
And and one of the things I love, I have a love-hate relationship with Claire because I absolutely love her. I think everything you both have said about her is great. But one of the my favorite and most aggravating things about her is that she's ahead of her time. Um, and we talk about her adaptability, but at the same time, there are things where I just, I honestly, I completely understand why other characters want to strangle her. Not even, like, figuratively. Some of them want to strangle her, literally, I understand that less. Um, but she can be incredibly aggravating. She can be really aggravating to the people around her. She can be super aggravating to me as a reader and a viewer. But none of that is bad. It all makes a very well-rounded, fleshed-out character. And you guys, I mean, you guys have both said so much about her. But I don't want to get, I'm going to try and keep it short. <laughs> but I always, I always, I was wondering if, if maybe the reason why she is like that, and the thing is I haven't read the book, but for what I'm seeing in the shows, I always wonder, like, maybe she have to be this way because, you know, she was put back to 200 years and, like, oh. new worlds that she is and, like, new people, like, she have to, like, you know, stick, well, like... She was she was always like a spitfire or whatever. You, you can see that in the 40s and the 60s when she jumps back. Um, but she was also really uniquely prepared to have this happen to her, being with her Uncle Lamb and traveling. And they don't really get into it in the show as much as they kind of did in the books about what her life was with her Uncle Lamb. Literally traveling around the world to remote places that didn't have power, didn't have modern medicine at the time, didn't have a lot of things. And so she was really able, that was, a, it was disappointing to me that the show didn't really kind of delve into that more because otherwise a lot of people kind of accuse her of being a Mary Sue, which I hate. But they don't understand how she's so easily able to like just drop into 200 years in the past and adapt to it whereas in the book she's like well this 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 and this is all kind of what culminates in my being able to survive and even thrive um in the 18th century so absolutely i mean from the very beginning right when she first goes through the stones and she's still kind of reeling from immediately what- nearly raped right <laughs> She's she's not really aware of that she's gone back in time and she's trying to figure out what the heck is going on. But the fact that she has the intelligence and the that mindset of, you know, survival mindset that she has to be able to adapt so quickly and to kind of, OK, this is really I can't believe this has happened, but OK, I'm going to go with it because well, I have no other recourse right now. And then she it takes her a while. Yeah. But, and that scene actually like when she was like, she gets that gunshot above her and she goes, wait a minute, movies sets won't use live rounds. And the music changes to this really kind of jaunty, like, beat while she is running around getting shot at. That really kind of started a trend that I really love in this show. And I know we're still going so off topic, Erin, and I'm we're just going off into the weeds. Uh, but I didn't see a lot in the outline <laughs> for this. But I love the use of music um, in this show between, like, the the opening titles changing each season with where they are in their lives is really cool. Yeah. And the use of modern, for her, music 
mm-hmm. as an overlay to her life in the 18th century, I think is just really, really well, really well done. So, yeah. okay. But that, I'm well, <laughs> definitely a shout well, out to the composer, Bear McCready, uh, or McCreary. McCre- yeah. Yeah. McCreary, amazing composer. So, mm-hmm. well, let's move on to Jamie. Angela, what are your thoughts on Jamie? I I think we all know what we our thoughts are, Jamie. <laughs> Actually, um I'll just skip me for now because I think I'm I think I'm good the internet's kind of bad around here. Uh go around me and I'll now all my thoughts okay. besides Jamie besides the hotness. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um Danelle, what are your thoughts on Jamie? Oh, Jamie. Um, <laughs> um, I, I love the character of Jamie, um, but I think that's why him and Claire are such a great match, because they're both ahead of their time. He's a man who's ahead of his time. Um, in his timeline, his original timeline, he doesn't think the same way as the men around him necessarily. He has some of the mindset, but he is also willing to, he has an open-mindedness, and I think that's what makes him such a great match for Claire. Um, but he is aggravating at times too with some of his like pig-headedness and um, oh the stubbornness yeah the stubbornness um I do I do love the the references always to his stubbornness and and the uh, you know bullheadedness of of his people <laughs> um, <laughs> his family because definitely but again I think that's what is so enduring about the two of them as a couple um, because they're both very perfectly matched that way. Because um, they're both very stubborn and pig-headed in a lot of ways. So, yeah. Well, and and for me, as as far as Jamie goes, as well as I think the show did of depicting Claire, I think they really kind of sold Jamie a little short. If I'm being totally honest, um, he is not portrayed. It's starting to change a little bit with where the show is right now, with the beginning of the American Revolution and how he's trying to balance. Um, he's basically sitting on the fence, but not really because he knows what's going to happen. Um, but I think they sell him short on his amazing diplomatic skills and his, how smart he is. Cause everyone, like we, we hear like, oh, he's so hot. He's the king of men and, and he's so broad and all this other stuff, but he's also very, very smart. Like he is a progressive man. He's still a very much a man of his time. He like the spanking scene, I feel like really kind of, and I'm not even going to lie. I, I wasn't even like, I feel like I'm way in the majority or minority when I'm like, well, you know, Claire, that's a whole other conversation. But, but his, like, in the books, he talks about how he knows, like, he's extremely gifted with languages. He's extremely diplomatic. That's why everyone thinks he'd be such a great um, leader of Clan Mackenzie. That's why Dougal sees him as such a huge threat, not just because he's, like, a likable guy, because he, but he is really, really smart. He's really charismatic. And... I don't feel like the show has really gotten um, to show us that as much as I would like. And I also think Sam Hewen has really been kind of shafted um, when it comes to recognition of his performance, because I think he does a 
fantastic job. You just have to look at, honestly, Wentworth Prison and To Ransom a Man's Soul at the end of season one to see the, like, those. that episode made my husband stop watching. He was like, I can't, he couldn't continue after that. But anyway, I love Jamie Fraser. He also makes me want to strangle him. I completely, like, <laughs> and... And what I love about Jamie and Claire together, and we'll get into it a little bit more, most, is I love that, it sounds weird to say, I love that they hurt each other. <laughs> Not like physically, but they, it That's shows. That's what I noticed too. I actually yeah. love that. <laughs> they, well, and it, we don't see a lot of depictions of long lasting, turbulent, but ultimately deeply loving marriages. And how you're not always going to be perfect. You're going to fight. You're going to have disagreements. And you're going to want to occasionally kill your spouse. But that doesn't change the underlying love for each other. I'm really good at keeping stuff short, Erin. I'm sorry. No, no. I'm, it's in, I'm just sitting here listening because it's interesting. Um, did you have anything else you wanted to add, Angela, before we move on to just talking about other characters? Nope. They actually, they both explained the way I want So, <laughs> I mean, just, I honestly, like, just something, of, I guess he's just, Jamie's like the, I guess, the guy that, you know, we all woman wants as a husband, just strong, so loyal, you know, just, you know, such a good leader, you know, like, he put his family and his friend priorities first, you know, that's just how he is, and I just, you know, I just love just his character a lot. I mean, they just, he and Claire just fit so well together. And I just, you know, agree with just Meg, like how they're just both like love hurting each other. Just that's what I've been noticing because it's, it, it, it feels real to me, to be honest. Like that's like, that's, it's not, it doesn't sound like a boring marriage to me. So. <laughs> <laughs> they're definitely not a made boring uh, Boring old married couple, that's for sure. (laughs) Well, are there any other characters that you guys want to give a shout out to, Angela? Are there any other characters that you want to talk about? I, maybe, okay. So I don't know what you guys' opinions are, but I really admire um, Frank, uh, Claire, ex-husband. Um, I know there's some other people I, I I was from other comments that was dealing with it was you know not good opinions but I really just admire Frank just because like you know he um he haven't seen you know his wife for do, do you know how long do you guys three know years. like it was three, three years. years yeah three years and you know came back pregnant oops spoilers well, anyway, well, it's in the show <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Any spoilers, but came out pregnant and he still, you know, like, you know, still like, you know, became the father for Jamie's kid. Like just everything he does for the family, like I just admire that, you know, just just Frank a lot. And so I felt really, you know, I don't know, I felt sad for him. I don't know I'll what you guys say, think about that. I'll I'll say the show made me appreciate Frank. Mm-hmm. much more than the books. I, 
And it's really funny that you said that, Angela, because and I don't want to be like the divider. Okay. Like, oh, book reader, show watcher, because most people who read the book because Frank is not the same stand up guy. Mm-hmm. But as I got older and have reread the books, I see where Frank is coming from. He was handed a shit sh- <laughs> shit sandwich and <laughs> did the best he could with it. But I remember hating him so much when I read the books and the show really, really softened him for me. And I think a lot of that is Tobias Menzies and just his amazing acting. Yes, he is amazing. I definitely agree there. Yeah. I like Frank is an interesting character too. I agree. He, you know, his willingness to, you know, but again, I mean, the games that are played between Claire and Frank too, when he come, you know, going forward she wasn't um, thoughtless either i mean either of them were um but one of the things that i think has always intrigued me about the books and the show um and they of course in the book i think it's a little more clear is her struggle i mean it's not just the story of this woman who goes back in time and falls in love and you know forget about the husband screw him like i don't even care yeah i'm just gonna go for this hot scottish guy no she's torn she's tormented um about trying to get back to her husband um and she's tormented by her feelings for jamie for the longest time until she realizes that she can't fight it anymore that this is the reality of how she feels and it's not going to change you know no matter how much she wishes it would um and i i think that is something that um the books do a little bit of a better job i mean i think the show tries to but again it's you're limited um you know, with what you can do on film, but um, that's always intrigued me because too many shows, I think, kind of have those situations, and it's like, <laughs> let's just go from one to the other, blah blah blah. But um, I, the uh, thing is, I, I do, I'm like, I'm sorry to interrupt. I just, the thing I just like, you know, like what the show shows me is like, it is possible to love, like, and still love another person, you know, because she you know Claire still wears two rings on her fingers even if even if since frank passed away she still love him you know and Mm -hmm. so it's like the same for like you know for you know in the real world like you know when parents divorce you know and but you know you can still make everything as a family you can still you know like it's it's possible so that's you know i don't that's i just like this whole you know family dramatic thing so i i just I don't know. So that's what I was thinking. (laughs) One of my other favorite characters has got to be, I would say, um, John Gray. Oh my gosh. Have you read the John Gray books? That I have been meaning to, and that is on my list to get reading. I, I love the character. I love the relationship between him and Jamie, the friendship. Um, and, um, you know, and I, I'm kind of sad and I won't go into, you know, I don't want to spoil the books going forward. But I only honestly, the book. Honestly, honestly, if Jamie and Claire weren't such OTPs for me, I would ship John Gray and Jamie. Yes. So, right? like, I, yeah. I can't bring myself to do it because Jamie and Claire are such a great match, but that yeah. we don't have enough time. Aaron, <laughs> Aaron. I love the actor. Yeah. <laughs> I absolutely 
Anthony Adorner, and I'm blanking on his name, but the actor who plays him on the show, I, I really do enjoy him. Oh, um, oh, not John Bell. John Dave Barry. David Barry. Yeah, I'm who's another favorite. I have so <laughs> I'm on the wiki, and I'm like, this character isn't even in the top search yeah. one. So I'm like, who oh, is this? I yeah. have, you guys, I have a list. So I'm sorry, Aaron. I'm sorry. No, because like I said, I watched one episode and, and I will say, I, I'm just going to say that th- this is why I didn't finish. This is so totally like not my kind of show. And it's not that I don't love romance. I'm not a big period piece. Person. If that helps, it gets hella dark. See, that would be probably something that would, because I was talking to my mom this morning and I said, you know, I watched one. I went, oh, well, this is if a show was made not for Aaron, I don't want to bring it down because I know you guys love it, but it would be this show. And my mom laughed and said, yeah, although my mom loved the show and she stopped watching it because it got too violent for her. So that's probably what would happen to me is I'd be like, oh, boring, boring. <laughs> The relationship between John and Jamie, because of the fact of, of what Jamie goes through and what his experiences is, and, and a man of that time period, how he would treat a man, a gay man, you know. And and but Jamie's I mean, threatened to kill him. Right. Let's, let's forget that. Like let's does, not forget that he's like, he's just like you ever touch me again, I will kill you. Right. <laughs> yeah. So. I've always, and I know that there's some controversy around some of that portrayal, um, and I'm sure Aaron will get into that too, but um, the the fact that they become best friends, you know, and that he, and, and Jamie does say it in the books that he considers John his best friend, and, and their deep friendship, and it is sad what happens later on in the books, and it's kind of disappointing to me, I was always, that's always one of the things in the books that I'm like, oh, I don't like that, but um, quick spoiler, I honestly yeah. loved that development, and I loved that whole thing, not because it was great, but because it was just, like, delicious drama. Right, yeah. I was there I, for I, I get why, it just was one of those moments where it was like, uh, I just, I don't want to see him in that light. Yeah, but that's it, we gotta stop, yeah. because that's a huge, that's a huge point, plot point, and we can't talk about it. Yeah. But anyway, I do love John's devotion to them and his eventual devotion to Claire, both of them, Jamie and Claire and the family. And, and um, he's just an interesting character, what he brings to the table and how he helps them and, um, you know, all of his adventures with them. So, yeah, he's, he's definitely up there as one of my favorite characters. Okay. And then, Meg, do you have others that you want to talk about? Oh, I do. do you have a list there that you I, want to I talk do. about? I'm so sorry. I, I'm not really sorry because I love this show. Um, okay. I'm going to go through some of my favorite villains first. Because we talk about Jamie and Claire and their romance. And we talk about Frank and Jamie and Claire and their love triangle. And we talk about John and how he's in love with Jamie. Everybody loves Jamie. Everybody wants Jamie. Okay. <laughs> Let me talk for a second about Leary. Also known as Leg Hair. this girl i hated her so much but i love to hate her i love wishing ill upon this girl who will be a girl for the rest of her life and i'm just gonna check her off right there leary is a child and an immature she would have been in salem just casting women to the noose she literally sends claire 
to be arrested as a witch and testifies against her. She's a, she's awful. Um, Galus Duncan. Let's talk. Galus freaking Duncan. Another time traveler who goes from friend to holy shit. The show did not do a justice to the hot mess that Galus becomes when she goes to Jamaica. Like, I'm, I guess it's great. Uh, that they kept her like really hot and sexy. But I remember in the books she was like could not walk anymore. I'm pretty sure she was just she became a mess. Um, we cannot forget Blackjack Randall, who is literally the most despicable human being in the show. Stephen Bonnet being a kind of a pretty close second. For oh, yes. different yeah. reasons but this sadistic monster and how he plagues this family uh, Jamie and Jenny and Claire and all of them again played by Tobias Menzies who plays Frank Randall who is completely opposite and again kudos to Tobias Menzies because holy shit he did fantastic work the exact same actor you could like his whole body, every part of him changed yeah. between these two characters. And he did a fantastic job. Yeah. Uh, Absolute one of the, the most hated villains, you know, in all the books that I've ever read. I just, yeah, he's got to be up there with like so compelling. Yeah. He was so intriguing. He was so complex. He was so dark. Yes. And, like, yeah. He was amazing. Um, Dougal, I'm counting Dougal as a villain. Um, <laughs> but that's more book Meg than show Meg. But I love Dougal McKenzie. Um, for our second, I'm again, I have a list, guys. So our next generation. No, wait, Murtaugh. I'm sorry, Murtaugh. What? That's a Murtaugh. villain? No, not as a villain, just as a fantastic character. I'm done with oh, the villain. Okay. I was going to say, I was like, what? No, Murtaugh, this character is, like, almost entirely original to the show. Like, spoiler, I guess, for the books. So just throw that out there. Murtaugh dies in the well, first book. Or maybe yeah. the beat the second book. So, I'm sorry, Angela. <laughs> I mean, we already knew he'd die. I just didn't know he was dying too soon in the book. <laughs> oh, and that was one of the changes that people at first were really, really, like... How could have what? How is the story going to continue on? Blah blah blah. I'm so glad they changed this. Murtaugh, I love Duncan Lacroix. Lacroix, no, Duncan Lacroix, fantastic. I I absolutely love Murtaugh. I'm sorry, I'm just seltzer water. This whole thing, Jenny. I'm gonna get to Jenny. I absolutely love Jenny. The show did her a major disservice. Oh, I think. I just think. I think we don't get to see enough of Jenny to kind of understand where she's coming from because she generally just kind of comes off as kind of a bitch. You know, she calls Claire Trollope the first time they met. She calls her, like, what, street refuse or whatever when she comes back in time. But we don't really ever get to see. We see a little bit of, like, the pile of goo that this woman is underneath this hard exterior. And this woman, ha- we talk about Claire being tough and fierce and strong. Jenny. Yeah. Jenny Murray. 
that one was. Well, don't you think her loyalty to her brother, though, that's why she went after Claire when Claire comes back. It had nothing to... She loves Claire, and I think her fear is, like, how much she loves Claire, I think she was so angry that I she left. Less to do with Jamie and more to do with her own grief and pain. Like, yeah. Jamie wasn't the only one who grieved for Jenny for 20... Or for Claire for 20 years. Jenny, they... We don't get to see... That's what I'm saying, is we don't get to see it as much in the show of their bonding... Yeah. back when Claire was first there and to really see kind of the depths of Jenny's feelings for Claire. Yeah. Um, but for the next generation, I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to be quick. I'm sorry. <laughs> There's a lot of characters. <laughs> and two hours later. No. <laughs> okay. I will cut you. I'll be quick. Okay. Fergus. I love Fergus. I love my little French thief boy. My little tiny pickpocket beauty. <laughs> He li- he's a he lives a life of leisure now. Uh, Fergus and Marsley, I love them. Marsley has be- quickly become one of my absolute favorite characters in the show. I love her in the books. I love her and Claire relationships. Um, oh shit, young Ian, young Ian, I adore him. I adore him so much. Um, and I'm not going to talk so much about Bree and Roger. Uh, the show has like. Frank softened me towards Roger a bit, but I have. I... Roger's also very much a man of his time, and that's not helping him. And I honestly love how unimpressed with him Jamie is. Time like... <laughs> <laughs> they know each other. Jamie does not cut him a whole lot of slack. He does not. Yeah. No. Yeah, as progressive as Jamie is, the idea of a man not knowing how to do basic things to live in the 18th century, he just has no time for it. Right. So, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shut up because I have to stop myself because I have, I have more and I'm just going to stop because eventually we're going to get to, like, the general who got mad about dust getting in his claret, and I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Even though it was one of the best scenes. <laughs> Well, let's I mean, get let's get um, into a little bit more of. I mean, you guys have already mentioned a lot of episodes. We've you've already talked a lot about the romance, um, but I know this show. From what I've heard, a lot of the reasons some people like it is because of the way it handles um, sexuality in the show or the sex scenes in the show. At least that's what I've heard. You guys can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, so, actually, let's get into that. Uh, that just came into my head. Let's just get into that first, and then we'll get into a little bit of more of the darker stuff. So before we get into the darker stuff, I just want to see how everybody feels about how the romance is portrayed and how the sexual relationship is portrayed in this show. Personally, I think it's really refreshing. I mean, Claire is a woman who owns her sexuality and makes no apologies for it. Mm-hmm. And I think that is a... For some people, that's a little too much. A lot of people have a hard time with a woman owning her sexuality, even now in 2020. And I find it really interesting. I've I've heard some people call it um, porn for uh, middle-aged women, um, the show. And I'm like, why? I mean, Game of Thrones had way more sex than it. And nobody was saying, you know what I'm saying, in some other shows. The difference is Outlander's film from the female gaze. Game of Thrones and most other sex right. scenes are for the male gaze. Well, that's what so. I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I, you know, you hear about, oh, that's fun for Game of Thrones, but they're offended by it. 
um, in Outlander. I've actually had a few couple of friends who were, seemed to be offended by it, and I thought it was interesting. Um, but for me, I, I find it refreshing. I mean, again, I think Claire is a woman who knows herself, and that's what makes her ahead of her time. She's a woman who enjoys sex, owns her sexuality, and does not apologize for it. And I think that's a beautiful thing. Oh, yeah, Angela, sorry. what are your thoughts? Angela, what are your thoughts on it? So what, what she was saying, though, like, the thing I admire is, you know, Claire so much is like, you know, she does, you know, like, I don't, so after, like, I think it was like, was it 20 or 24 years that she was away from Jamie? 20. 20 years. She, I remember the one scene where, you know, she knows she was going to go back to Jamie soon, but then her thoughts was like, the struggle was like, oh my God, you know, I'm not as good looking as I used to be. You know, like my hair, my bodies, you know, after giving birth and all these stuff, you know, it's just like, it makes me feel like, like I said, like a role model to me. Like she inspired me, like the struggle of feeling afraid of like, you know, after being in a long relationship of your, of your fear of trying to go back to that role again. And like, she, you know, she makes it very relatable for women who are afraid of like their bodies and stuff. So for her to like, you know, adapt and finally accept it you know it just makes my heart just like feel for her and like feel for me as a woman self so that's that's why you know I admire her so much for it well and I think something that is kind of gets lost a lot when we talk about the show because I think this is a point where the books are kind of important I think people kind of forget how unusual and revolutionary is a bit extreme but how unconventional like diana gabaldon could not get this book published like she didn't want it published as a romance for one um but romance writer authors and editors or whatever told her that she couldn't do it because there was no way you could have a woman who was older than the man and where she was not a virgin where he was and have that be marketable to anybody and the fact that she did it and it's become what it is, I think, is really astounding because she really did break the mold when it comes to romance. I don't really consider Outlander. I know we talk about romance a lot. I know the show kind of leans on the romance, uh, but I don't it's consider it. Yeah. I don't consider Outlander to be a romance novel. I love romance novels, and it's not to diss them or anything like that. But this goes kind of beyond that and it's talked about when she wrote this book how they didn't know where to categorize it It, she has been sold under military history under historical fiction under romance the same books um and i think what you guys said about claire owning her sexuality and being really the initiator in a lot of ways and how she really has a firm control over her own body. Um, I think that's really attractive for us as viewers. I think it's a huge turn on for her husband. Um, And I think it's a huge thorn in the sides of a lot of other people within that world. And we kind of see how her liberation, both sexually and just as a woman who comes back from the 20th century, even if 1945 wasn't super progressive, 
but to go from 1945 where women had the right to vote and and that progression back to where they're literally just considered chattel and to try and navigate that has been is really interesting to see how and how her sexuality really plays into a lot of that especially when she comes back in the 1960s during like women's sexual <laughs> liberations so but that's that's my thought on the the sex and i never thought it was super gratuitous um i think it was really well done i really liked the female gaze of them it was one of those things where when she quote unquote initiated Jamie or she took his virginity to see how that played out was not like anything I've ever seen um, on TV and to watch him fall apart his first time while she's I mean she's giving him a blowjob the way she teaches him and we instead of watching her while he pleases her and it's since gone back and forth but to watch him completely fall apart and shatter and not see what was going on below the belt I thought was really unusual and beautiful honestly as a woman is the show mainly um, directed and written by women because I I should have looked that up before we started this but is it um, a lot of it. I know that, I think it's Anna Kinney, I want to say, wrote and she directed the wedding episode, which was such a big deal because it's the first time Jamie and Claire have sex. Um, but there are several women who are involved with writing and directing. I'm not sure as much now, but I know at least in the very beginning, there were a lot of women involved. Yeah, I'm looking through it right now, and there are a lot of female names. There are mm-hmm. some men, too. And there's also John Dahl, who I just will point out again, because I I pointed him out when we did our Dexter episode. And um, and it's interesting that he's directed a couple episodes, only a couple, though, because he is known for the fact that he used to do a lot of femme fatale movies, mm-hmm. which I know a lot of people don't like. I like them, and I loved his movies. Um, so I just thought that was an interesting little thing and to I'm, notice. And I'm here. sorry, it's Anna Forrester, not I don't know where Kenny came from, but Anna well, there Forrester, is an Anne Kenny. There is an Anne Kenny on the writing credits, the series writing credits. Yeah, so she, I think yeah, exactly. I think it was written by Anne Kenny and directed by Anna. It, like it was very much woman centric for that yeah. wedding episode. Okay. I think they've made a conscious effort to do that. I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, when I, I have the first season on DVD and um, I watched some of the behind the scenes stuff and I know that they talked about that, making a conscious effort to really, as you said, a, the woman's gaze. Um, and I still find it really, really interesting that people are taken aback by the sexuality of the show. Um, because to me, it's fairly tame compared to some of those shows that are out there. And I'm like, why? You know what I mean? It just it, I find that really, really fascinating. Well, I think it's really interesting when we see, like, I was just talking about, I'm sorry, about Anna Forrester. She directed four episodes of Outlander. It was The Wedding, Both Sides Now, Wentworth Prison, and To Ransom a Man's Soul. And to have those four episodes be the ones that she directed, holy shit. Like, those are, those are, honestly, those are two of my favorite episodes, and two of probably the most gut-wrenching 
fantastic episodes I just can't watch anymore. Um, <laughs> but that's that's the dark part. <laughs> well, why don't we get into a little bit uh, of that and we'll just issue a trigger warning here and I'll put a trigger warning in the beginning of the episode for everything that possibly comes up here. Um, it, but just so everybody knows that they're listening, if they don't want to listen beyond this point or if they want to come back in, um, I'll say in the beginning when to come back in, um, how long it takes. So hopefully I get those those minutes right. But just a trigger warning. I know that there is a depiction of a, um, an attempted gang rape is what I heard you guys say in the beginning. So a trigger warning for rape, a trigger warning for probably there'll be other things as well. But let's get into um, some of the, the darker stuff. Um, Angela, do you want to start off? I don't know if we should start with, you know, the last part, discuss about the last part of season five which was very intense um you know we have uh you know claire who got kidnapped and then you know gang raped by you know a couple of mans who i guess like i don't remember if like those are the mans who who doesn't like what she does as a healers or doctor i'm correct i don't remember so so jamie really pissed them off and then they found out and claire told one of i just watched this episode like literally i finished it before we started watching um but basically the basic just is jamie pissed them off um like a while ago in the show and then um claire has been publishing as Dr. Rollins and like teaching women about birth control and you know, Hey, you don't have to be beaten by your husbands. Um, and then they found out that Claire was this doctor and that's, they wanted to teach her a lesson is the gist. So I'm going to shut up now so you can, you can. Oh no, no. I mean, that's honestly, I think I take it way more, personalist because you know i was sexual assault in the past and so to see this on the screen you know was so much for me just you know because like and also because like we have seen claire as the strong person throughout this whole season i mean there was some weak point but i felt this one like was probably like one of the worst thing that might have happened to her i don't know I'm not sure about in the book but to me it it was just like seeing her like breaking down, you know, like like telling me like some like sometimes a strong person can still, you know, um, break down sometimes. And I also enjoyed the last part where she finally just like I don't know how to explain it. I probably felt like you guys probably would explain more just because I'm getting really emotional about it. But it was just like kind of let's just say the last episode was really intense to me for me so okay it is a really 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 intense uh section of the books um it just really is and i mean it's a pivotal point um in the story um but violence and sexual violence is a big theme in the books i mean it's throughout the books um whether it's the first book and and what happens to jamie um you know, is really intense. Um, And of course, Black Jack Randall um, and his deviant um, behavior, um, he is 
got to be one of the worst villains um, out there. I just, going back to that, um, you know, for me, that was one of the most, I think, shocking parts of the of the books was that first book, the, the ending of the first book, when Jamie is tortured um, and raped by, by Randall. Um, uh, that Wentworth prison, that whole thing was just really intense. And then, of course, leading up to what happens to um, Brianna and then Claire, um, and I don't know, I, I think some people do have a struggle with the violence, um, in the book and I've struggled with that just personally, as much as I enjoy the story is like so much violence. Um, but again, you know, that's part of this, this journey with the books and what the, these people go through, um, in their, their life on, on the various continents because they're all over the place. Um, but yeah, the, um, the first that ending um, of the last season was definitely brutal to watch. Um, and I'm going to be interested to see how they, they go forward in this, in the sixth season. So. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I'm going to say some stuff <laughs> like I do. Um, one of the things that I think the show has been, I think a little, not falsely per se, but a little harshly accused of is um, the sexual violence. It's been compared to Game of Thrones a lot, which I think is completely unfair. Game of Thrones sexual violence is, in my opinion, completely gratuitous. Um, as horrifying, and I've been thinking back about what we've seen, and especially I think if you haven't read the books, you're not aware so much about how events in previous seasons or in previous books affect things way in the future. Um, and I think one of the things that's really tough as far as watching it versus reading it is when you're reading it, there's a lot of time between these moments of sexual violence. And especially if you're binging the show, it's like Jamie gets tortured and raped and, and it's horrifying. Like, and it's, and one of the things that I really appreciate about this show is it does not be like, Hey, this person got raped. And then the next episode, everything is fine. It doesn't say, Hey, this woman got raped, but it made her stronger. Like women are still are already strong. (laughs) Like being sexually assaulted doesn't make you weak it doesn't change your strength as a woman and as a character and as a man and as a person and i really appreciated how they really took that care with jamie and saw his emotional trauma just as much as the physical trauma that he went through and i think an honest forthright depiction of male sexual assault is something that's very lacking um And to see that depicted was, again, I can't, it's a hard thing to watch, but it was a brilliantly done, in my opinion, storyline. I think all of the sexual assaults that I've seen, honestly, they have a reason for happening. Um, I think it's one of those things where they're horrifying to see and I don't feel like that we should minimize what happens. I don't feel like these are used as like I don't think Claire 
Claire's sexual assault is to make Jamie stronger um, or to further his plot line. Um, I don't think Brianna's sexual assault, and I think it's horrifying that that it keeps happening, and I and I'm able to kind of step back because I remember it, it's a lot more time between these in the story than it is in what we're watching. And that's one of those tough things. Um, but there are all important events that lead to other important events that you can't really skip by. I think the showrunners did a good job of skipping past some of the, there was more in the books. Cause like I said, this was written in the nineties where this trope was a lot more common. Um, so I feel like a lot of that was not toned down, but yeah. done done with care and caution. Yeah. I think the aftermath, especially of Jamie's assault and what happened to him and, and going to France, I think is... Um, incredibly portrayed and the way you know Claire has to bring him back and what she goes through to to do that Um, you know this amazingly strong man who's both mentally and physically strong is is brought to nothing a shell of himself for the longest time and how he has to fight to come back um, and how she pushes him to do so. That is one of the most gut-wrenching, I think, parts of the book for me. And I think they did a great job in the in the show with that, too. But um, for, for me, the book was a little harder hitting in that scene. And, yeah. Um, you know, and again, I think you're right. Like, it's not one of those things where they just show the next episode or they're fine. Or it maybe get mentioned three episodes later, but it's okay. Yeah. Um, well, now, this I- is something that affects Jamie for years and years and years and years. I mean, it for comes decades, 20 yeah. years for decades. It, it brings it up. And I mean, it's brought up after Claire's assault, um, yeah. you know, and, and so I think that and alone is, is a really forward thinking for the nineties, um, you know, and, and today, and I think they really brought that into um, the way they portrayed it on the show. Um, well, and they, yeah. and they, they show the, yeah, they show the af- aftermath really well. I think they also do a good job of kind of depicting not the forceful hold you down issues. Like we see when Jamie is coerced to sleep with Geneva Oh, yes, yes. In Hellwater. And, I mean, this man, this man, there are two tragedies to Jamie Fraser. And one of them is that he's never able to raise a child of his own, ever. And the second is that people view, people view Jamie's body and Jamie as a commodity. And I think it's really interesting to see how he's really viewed that way in a way that we as women are viewed in general. And I think that's part of what makes him such a compelling character for us. Um, But so we see Geneva and Jamie, we see Galus and young Ian. And those aren't like, hold you down. Like Blackjack Randall nailed Jamie's hand to a table and had his way with him and like tormented him for days. These other ones were, just coercion which makes which is not better at all um obviously but it just shows the the shades 
Um, and yeah. I, I don't know. It's, it's a really hard topic because it's just, it's awful. <laughs> like, there's nothing that's like great or good about any of it. But yeah, I think it's a response. Okay, okay I'm gonna, I'm gonna interrupt really quickly here, guys. Sorry, because um, Angela has to hop off here in a minute. So I want to give Angela an opportunity to just close out. Um, if she has any final thoughts, she wants to say really quickly. And then, um, if you, if you want to tell people where they can find you, Angela, or if you want to promote anything, I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to you really quickly. And I just want to also just check, are you okay, Angela? Okay. Yeah, I, I am though. It's like I said, it's like, it's one of those topics that, you know, that can never, ever be forgotten, no matter how much I wanted to, but. You know, at the end of the day, you know, Claire have shown me that, you know, there's a difference between moving on and moving forward. And she has shown me so much strength about, like, you know, just moving forward so much that, you know, it's just like this show have, you know, have helped me like grown, you know, you know, like you know, just, you know, dealing with my traumas and stuff and how why I you know relate to Claire so much and why she's such a great role models for those you know who have been in her position so you know so I just basically the show saved my life to be honest so that's my thoughts on on you know Outlanders right now wonderful well thank you so much for sharing that I really appreciate that Angela so thank you for sharing that and I'm glad the show was able to help you so thank you um, well, if you want to tell everybody where they can find you, if you want to be found, you don't have to be found. And if you have anything that you want to promote, feel free to do that. Well, nothing I promote yet, though. You can always find me on Facebook as Angela Tao Blessing T.O. So, yeah, so that's just pretty much it. I, I'm I'm really grateful to you know, be able to talk about it and with you all. You know, it was such a pleasure. Well, Yay. thank you so much, Angela. Thank you. And I hope you have a good rest of your evening. All right, then you too. Good night. Bye. Bye. The show has really responsibly handled the subject of sexual assault and in various ways. And I think you brought up a really good point, um, Megan, was just the, the coercion of Jamie in those cases and, and young Ian and um, how subtle it can be as well. I mean, you know, from the pure violence and uh, of what happens to Jamie um, to the coercion of young Ian, you know, they're both drastic. Well, yeah. And then I just remember the coercion of Claire with the King of France when she wanted to get Jamie out of prison. Oh, right. Yes. Like, then let me te- let me talk about this. And I want to be, and it's just like, it feels like it's just, pile and pile and pile but I think another thing that's really important that we haven't talked about is the community of women on this show and I feel like it's a universal community of women like we're all a part of that and it's a universal understanding of what this means and where we all are in the relation to the world and i think especially when we saw with the last episode of season five with brie and marcely taking care of claire and how brie becomes the the mom basically to her own mother after a trauma and i feel like that's a sad thing that we have to have um but i think it's really 
a strong bond that that women have with each other and i feel like that's a universal understanding that we as women all have yeah i think the relationship between claire and brie is a really beautiful thing as it kind of blossoms you know, because of the strain of their relationship, because Claire withheld so much from her growing up as Brie was growing up because she couldn't tell her, you know, she promised Frank and she kept that promise for the longest time. And, you know, just her sure, her utter heartbreak um, when she tells uh, Brie the truth is just um, such a powerful, powerful part of the story to me. And, and, you know, that sense of betrayal that Brie has, but then she comes around and, you know, I think there's, I think she even says to her mother, now I get to know you, you know, like now mm-hmm. she's really feeling like she gets to know her mother um, after all these years. And, you know, when that reuniting of her and Jamie is also such a, a powerful moment um, when Jamie finally gets to meet his daughter, um, you know, that's just such a, a heartwarming moment you're just like oh it's like the tears you know and i i love the makeshift family that they have made for themselves you know what they're with they have brie and marceline and fergus and young ian and they've just like adopted all of and i love how they've kind of managed to cobble together a family and i love seeing the generational relationships Mm-hmm. that we see you know i love seeing i love seeing jamie as a grandpa and i think it's so funny when people are like oh my god jamie Ooh, he's so hot and like he's a grandpa guys <laughs> like yeah, that's not to diminish his hotness but he's a grandpa <laughs> that's a really cute evolution of that character and you know we didn't even mention what happens to poor fergus oh, oh my gosh fergus. um randall that bastard i'm sorry he's just such an evil character and um you know poor what happens to fergus and and he uh, you mentioned him he's one of my favorite characters too i just the the little boy that they picked to portray him um and like was it the second season i think yeah the second he's just adorable absolutely adorable well and Um, and fergus and marsley's marriage I, we haven't seen enough of it yet. We're going to see more of it, I think, in the upcoming seasons of the show. Because in yeah. the book, in the books, they're they're the best. And I love they keep popping out these kids. Like every time we see Marsley, she's either pregnant or just had a baby, and and she's thrilled. And I love the relationship she had with Claire because she's Leary's daughter, and I love how she went from this really cool bitter relationship because Claire comes back and basically steals her dad away. Um, And how her relationship with Claire really evolved into a really warm, loving mother-daughter relationship where there's so much respect and love there. And I just, I could, I could go on about Marceline for days because she's one of my favorite characters in the books and the show. Like I just love her so much. I Talk really about a strong woman on the show. I really, the show really, really um, helped me kind of grow to love that character even more for sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And the relationship between her and Claire. Absolutely. Well, let's, um, let's talk a little bit. 
let's move over a little bit to since you guys have already mentioned a lot of episodes and seasons i don't want to just break that down um i want to move a little bit to what you sort of hope to see since you guys have both read the book books if there's anything you hope to see on the show that you haven't seen yet i know it'll probably give spoilers for the books um but just if you want to talk a little bit about that or even just your hopes of what you hope to see happen to the characters and in the show as as it goes on and how many seasons do they already know how many seasons they're going to have really quickly i haven't heard do you know um ugh, let me think i know I, it was absolutely it was a, i know it's absolutely um renewed through season six we haven't gotten any news about if it's been renewed further than that i'm sure it will be um but i think covid is really kind of messing with a lot of well, yeah a lot yeah. of shows right now yeah. so yeah, but next I'm, year is going to be interesting. <laughs> I'm sure we're in season six right now, and there's eight books written. So I don't think it's beyond the realm that they would at least go through book eight. Okay. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, then, then if you guys want to just talk about what you hope to see that hasn't been shown yet in the books or how you or the direction you want it to go. Um, Danelle, what are your some of your hopes and wishes for the show? <sighs> um. That's a tough one. I think um, the the last book, um, my heart's on blood. I think is going to be a really interesting translation to to the show. You know, to film. Um, there's so many things there that I think it, it it's kind of hard to say. Um, I really, I'm kind of at a loss to know. I mean, I really want to see what they do with the time jump that's hinted at in the first season. I really want to see where we see the shadow, the man in the window. And now we know going forward. And again, this is probably a spoiler alert. So I'm going to throw that out there, but we know that we see that man at the window um, in the outside of Claire's window. And we know that it's Jamie. Well, it's his ghost. Right. But is it his ghost or is it Jamie? No, it's his, it's his ghost. It's his ghost. Okay, so that Jamie, was- Jamie can't time travel. That's that's been established. Diana Gabaldon, that's a ghost. We don't know what the meaning of it is yet, but that's a ghost. Well, I know there's some theories on that, so that's why I'm just throwing it out there because it hasn't been explained yet in the books, and so I'm really curious to see what is that. You know, how does Jamie? arrive there at a different time when he's not supposed to be able to time travel. And because when Claire's with Frank and, you know, Frank looks out the window and sees him and then you realize going forward in the show that you realize that that was Jamie. Um, mm-hmm. Was it his ghost, like you said, or, or I don't know. So I'm, I'm really curious to see how that's going to come together in the final um, books and, and the series and how they're going to, to portray that. So that's one of the mysteries that I'm looking forward to kind of being revealed. Yeah. There's, there's, yeah, there's a, (laughs) there's, there's a lot of stuff that I'm, as far as the book goes, that I'm interested to see. I I have my own theories about what Jamie's ghost is doing standing there. Um, I'm not going to get into them because I feel like I've already like gone a little crazy fangirl. Um, (laughs) Um, as far as season six, I'm really, really excited to see more of the American Revolution. 
um, because I think we've talked a lot about we've talked a lot about like the characters and the relationships and 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 a lot of stuff. We haven't really talked so much about the actual like history aspect of the show, which is a huge aspect. Um, the the rebellion of the forty five ended Highland culture as we know it, like Culloden basically was the end of the Highland way of life. And that's kind of huge. <laughs> um, the American revolution, obviously I'm, I'm excited to see that. I'm really hoping that we get to learn more about Ian's time with the Mohawk. And with that, we get more three-dimensional realistic depictions of First Nation and Indigenous people because I feel like they've really been shafted in the show. I don't feel like they've gotten, like, we got to really, quote-unquote, get to know two characters that were Native American women, and they both died horrifying deaths. (laughs) Right. And that's in my opinion utter bullshit i'm really hoping knowing what i know from the books i'm really hoping we get to see more of ian's time with the mohawk and get to see those characters really fleshed out and given the time that they deserve i know so many people are like oh but just keep it with claire and jamie i'm like i'm sorry no i like i love claire and jamie i do don't get me wrong i love them but this is as just like the books the world has expanded the books are no longer told just from Claire's point of view. We go all over and see everybody's lives. And I feel like that's important. I feel like season three really faltered because it tried to stick too much to Claire and Jamie and didn't really let us get to see more of the other characters and their relationships. 20 years go by in season three, in the first half of season three, and we don't get to see what happens to everybody else. And that sucks. Um, so I'm excited to see that. I'm really hoping we get to see some more um, African-American characters better fleshed out than what we've been seeing. We've been seeing most of what we've seen for African-American characters with the time period, of course, our slaves. And that's a whole other, that's a whole other, honestly, podcast. Um <laughs> to talk about that and i don't remember if we see any more of yichin cho or mr willoughby i can't remember if we see any more of him in the books but i thought they did a great job with his character in the show and really turning him from being a caricature into being a well done realistic character because his character in the books again this is clearly 1990s writing was really racist (laughs) i've I've heard that um too and i I actually read a couple of uh, articles about that you know criticisms about that and i agree it's super racist and also i kind of wonder if it was to me the way it's written it's kind of from claire's viewpoint of this character Mm -hmm. so it's kind of that 1940s attitude towards Asian asian people and i think that to me that's where I was able to step back and say okay I I see this as written from that point of view and that time period and that attitude um 
So I don't know if that's correct. You know what I'm saying? I don't. Yeah. I don't mean it as I, a, no. I I know I know what you mean. I, I know what you mean. I just I it really turned me off in the books. Yeah. Um, a lot of a lot of a lot of the depictions of people of color really turned me off in the books. The show overall has done a better job overall. I'm yeah. really um, glad that they actually hired all First Nation people and brought them to Scotland to play First Nation characters, which is I gotta big, jump in there which is that. a big deal. Yeah, huh? I gotta jump on there on that one because I am Mohawk. Um, my grandfather was full blood Mohawk actually, and um coming from that standpoint of course when i read the books i was like what <laughs> you know like, yeah. I was like yay some betrayal here and some of it was really interesting i think she did her research you know i really do i think she did some great research into the people um you know of the- and, and, and to her credit it's hard to do research on a culture that was wiped out for the for the most part like purposely erased which yeah. is- well, I mean, the Haudenosaunee are still alive and well, but yeah, I know what you mean. Um, you know, that time period um, and what was happening to them, um, you know, the all of the, the tribes from the Iroquois Nation or the Haudenosaunee um, is their word for it. Um, so, yeah, I'd like to see some more some more portrayal of of Ian's time there and his relationships there, because the books do, I think, a pretty decent job of you know, kind of who Ian was and then who he becomes after being with them, you know, and and the difference. That's the one casting, and I have to say it, that's the one casting I don't like. I have really, really struggled. You don't like Ian? I like him. I love John Bell. I've grown to like him, but he is not how I visioned him at all. So I, I struggle. I, I kind of struggle with that one, but um, my struggles with with Sophie Skelton with Brie, she's getting better, but she was like trying so hard for an American accent. I think she forgot to act. <laughs> <laughs> like I think it's so funny they hired a Scot. Like they've, I think it, they've done amazing things for the economy in Scotland because they do all everything, even their American filming is over there in Scotland, and they do a great job. Um, but Sophie Skelton, she I think she needs a, a linguistics coach because she doesn't sound from like she's from Boston at all. <laughs> <laughs> I sound more Boston. Yeah, she than Frida. She grew on me too. Um, but th- I would say those are probably the two castings I struggle with the most. And I again, I like them. I like their performances. I'm fine with them. It's just visually, it's really like very he especially is very very different from what i envisioned when i read the book so it's always kind of jarring for me to go back and forth because i'm like oh yeah that's ian that's supposed to be ian like it it takes me a minute so i just think he's adorable (laughs) i think we'll see and that's a problem for me he's too adorable like ian's not an ador to me he's not adorable in the book like he's so much more especially when he comes back he is he's this hardened kind of warrior type well, and we've seen that we've seen that a little bit like he has yeah. he's only like especially in the fi- in the finale when you see like the raid when they're going to rescue claire and ian yeah. has his war paint his mohawk war paint on and yeah. like that fierce warrior because he very much went from a 
little 16-year-old punk. He's <laughs> And he's been through a lot in like two and a half years. Let's be yeah, he real. Like he went through a lot when he got pressed into service. He got picked up and slave traded and then became a scary witch's sexual sacrifice thing. <laughs> and then the whole Mohawk, which I think honestly being adopted into the Mohawk was probably the best thing that happened to him and i love how i love how they show the difference between how roger was treated and how ian was treated and and the reasonings behind that like roger being sold by his own people into slavery and then not making it through the gauntlet and really not making it through the gauntlet was what did him in where they're like well he can't even keep running (laughs) Um, and seeing Ian get through it and triumph and really flourish. And that's why I want to see so much more about his life there. Cause he yeah. really, his wife, you know, his, his wife that he loves very much. <laughs> yeah, but, and, <laughs> that's, that's no, he didn't, he did mention having a wife. That's yeah. right. So yeah. Anyway, but there's a lot. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, Thank you guys so much. I know I have been pretty much quiet for a lot of this episode, but it's been interesting just to listen. So thank you guys for basically taking the reins of this episode <laughs> on Outlander. Um, we can't even let Aaron in to moderate. We're like, no. <laughs> no, it was great because <laughs> you guys know a lot more about it than I did. So it helped a lot with the conversation. So thank you guys for that. Um, but let's go ahead and just wrap it up. Um, part of that is because I am absolutely exhausted. Uh, <laughs> I will say so. So we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. And I'll just go around between you two. And if you guys just want to say where you can be found and if you have anything to plug. Danelle? Uh, yeah. So you can find me as Draven Pearl on Instagram and Twitter. Um, and then Danelle Beauvais on Facebook and feel free to add me. So I'd love to hear from people if they want to talk about Outlander or any of those other lovely pop culture things that we've been talking about tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And you could probably still reach out to her and talk to her about queers folks. since that's one of our most popular episodes, actually that's in our top 10. Um, And then Meg. Uh, Yeah. You can find me on all the things at Wisconsin act. W-I-S-C-O-N-S-E-N-N-A-C-H. And again, blame Carla because it's such a long handle. Um, Also, I guess if you're curious to read even more in depth of how I feel about each episode of Outlander from seasons (laughs) two through seasons four, you can find those (laughs) articles on thegameofnerds.com. Season five, I don't. Season five, I did not write any of, but season two through four, you can get my unfiltered thoughts somehow. (laughs) (laughs) And then this is Erin. You can follow me on Twitter at E April Beauty. The E and the A and the B are capitalized. Be sure to like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing pod on Twitter at fandom thing pod. No, it's in that one on Instagram at it's a fandom thing pod. Um, If you want to reach out to the show via email, you can do that at it's a fandom thing pod at gmail.com. And next week we are going to be talking about cosplay. So yeah, so that that'll be a lot of fun. Just hearing, um, 
<laughs> yeah, without Meg. But the other, no, she's not going to be in that one. Sorry, she's going to be on another one in a couple of weeks. The other Megan, um, and the, but then Meg will be back in a couple of weeks to do a special Lucifer episode. So just as a heads up, everybody, we're going to be covering uh, Lucifer is our most popular episode. So it's I decided be four hours long, guys. <laughs> It's just going to be talking about the first half of season five. That's all we're going to be talking about. So just, you know, make sure you watch it before then. I, that's why I wanted hey, to do. Carla's week. caught up. If she's on the episode, it's going to be four hours long. If it's me and Carla, I'm just saying. <laughs> well, it's already got three people on there. Including you. <laughs> So that'll be a lot of fun. And we're also, and then we're also in a couple of weeks going to be talking about Rocky Horror Picture Show because that turns 45 this year. Oh, so fuck. we're going to be discussing that cult classic. So that'll be a lot of fun. So next, until next time, remember it's a fandom thing and Black Lives Matter. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.